Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. All right, good morning. So we're continuing our series in Luke, but we're going to be jumping around a little bit because we're coming up to Easter. Uh, I'd like to get a little closer to, you know, preaching on what we're talking about at Easter instead of, uh, you know, I don't know, the birth of Jesus on Easter. That's kind of weird. So we're going to bounce around a little bit. We're staying in Luke, though. And, uh, and it, it's just amazing what Jesus does. He he really confronts and shifts paradigms of what everybody thought. And anybody happen, anybody that's happened to you in your life, your paradigm really shifted in some things as life went on. So, like, do you guys remember phones like this? So few of you do, right? Uh, it was back, um, Woodrow Wilson was president, and, uh, and uh, we just invented the stamp. And so... But but we had to we had to like call people this way and you remember like you had to pay extra for call waiting you remember that or call forwarding caller ID was a whole separate box right and you plugged it in you know it was amazing and and we just became more and more rude over technology's sake like you know somebody else is calling me while I'm talking to you so you wait right here <laughs> right you imagine, like, we don't hold conversations that way. Like, somebody walks up and you're like, stop talking to me. Yes, you know, but we do that on phones all the time. But, like, this was it. And if this didn't work, you were dead to the world, right? <laughs> you, it's, it's like you don't exist, right? It, it was just a different time, a, a different world. So th- these used to be on street corners, and you could put money in them. And then make phone calls, right? Does anybody remember that? I used to, many, a lifetime ago, I was a phone guy for a few years. I installed and repaired telephone lines, back when telephones had lines. And, and we had, in the city, now this is early 2000s, in the city that I worked in, we had payphone guys, the payphone guys for the entire city, a city of about a quarter million people, three guys, because even then payphones were going away. And these were the three unhealthiest looking, tired, angry men I think I've ever pictured and seen in my life. Um, they were literally, at, they were dying along with their craft. It was really, it was kind of sad to see. Um, they talked to nobody else outside of their own crew. They did nothing else. And just about every day or every week, they tore out more and more, um, more and more payphones in the, sanct- uh, in the, in the city. And it, it was almost like they kept saying, I'm closer to being unemployed. I'm closer every time they took it out. And then one day comes the smartphone. Yeah, yeah, right? The smartphone. And it has not made us smarter. It's smarter, we're not. We're dumber for it. But it it came about, and do you remember the first generation iPhone? I mean, it it was like the first generation cell phone. It weighed 20 pounds. It was huge. The screen was about the size of the Apple Watch, right? But it... And I remember, like, it can do what? No, you can't do that on your phone. And then in the first couple of years of having my own iPhone, I think I, I, think I came in on, like, generation three. I think that's about when I came in. And then I remember I was, I was in a touring group at that time. We were touring. And, and I remember being on the road, and at night, there was no Netflix yet, like, streaming on your phone. There was no Hulu and you like... If maybe you could go to YouTube's website, YouTube has a website, did you know that? And, and <laughs> they're not just an app. And, 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 you would, and you would, I would try and watch something because I, and I remember thinking, why don't these, these phones can do all this stuff? How come you can't watch something on it? We got there, you know, just, just took another minute, right? 
But the paradigm shifted. How many of you, within a few years of getting your smartphone, got rid of your landline? Put your hands up. Nobody's going to, not going to ask you for your landline number, okay? Uh, some of you are like, still have it, sticking to it, taking it to my grave. That'll be my number forever. Good for you. Hold on to it. We'll try and call you on it. I don't know anybody who answers the landline anymore outside of a business, right? What happened is, and, and then, here's the best part, now you can get a hold of me all the time. Everywhere I am. And if you can't reach me that way, you can text me. And if you can't text me, you can, you can, you can, you can try and ping me. And if you can't ping, and if you ping me and I don't answer, you just drive straight to where I am. Why didn't you pick up the phone? What's the matter? Don't you want to talk to me? Text me back. Which color cup do you want? You know, like that's what we do now. Our paradigm has shifted. Right? Before, if you didn't reach somebody on this, guess what? I guess they're not home. Maybe they're no doubting it and just screening their phone calls. Anybody over like 35 got that joke? Yeah, all right. But the rest of you are like, who's no doubt, no doubt, what's no doubt? Um, She's on the voice now. Anyway, our paradigm shifted. When Jesus shows up, he has to shift all their paradigms, all their mindsets about who God is and what they've thought of him. Even though God introduced them to this law and how to worship him and how to follow him over a couple thousand years, guess what? They got it wrong. We're kind of in a similar place now. We're getting it wrong Christianity is spread across the globe. It's amazing what God has done on the earth since his resurrection. And yet, we're not doing better because we're continually moving away from Christianity the last couple hundred years. And our paradigm is wrong. We were just talking this morning, right? With the idea, I was talking with Chase this morning, the, the whole idea of there's people who have Christian morality in some arenas, but not in others. So you have to fully accept me as I am. Well, that's kind of a Christian idea, because Jesus says, come as you are. But then, if you have sin in your past that is culturally unacceptable, racism, sexism, ismism, whatever it is, if you have that in your past, the problem is there's no forgiveness, right? We live in a culture now that as you move away from God and yet has godly influence, we have plenty of room for sin and condemnation, but we have no explanation for redemption. Our paradigm is shifting and not for the better, and Jesus speaks to all of this. If you have your Bible, go to Luke chapter 21, verse 5. This is, Jesus is about to go into the Holy Week here. And so amazing things are about to happen. Next week's Palm Sunday. And then the week after that is Easter. The best day of the year. Yeah, it is. It's the best. That, Christmas is my favorite time of year. Easter's the best day of the year. Because of what Jesus did. It's, why do we party on Easter? Is that because, oh, their church about stuff and programs and and having jump houses as you can tell we're all about stuff just look around (laughs) right uh no because jesus rising from the grave conquering death and hell and saving all of us in the process is worth the biggest party of the year that's why Luke 21, some of his disciples began talking about the majestic stonework of the temple and the memorial decorations on the wall. So they're in Herod's temple. Herod has built, King Herod has built this massive temple, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But Jesus said the time is coming when all these things will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Teacher, they asked, when will all this happen? What sign will show us that these things are about to take place? 
So I want you to take a look at something. This is a picture of Herod's temple. That's Herod's temple. That's what it looked like. Okay? It took several years to build, and then the ongoing construction took several decades. It was the large, at that time, the largest building in the ancient world. Massive. It was so big and so, the stone was so gleaming white, they said it looked like snow-capped mountains from afar. And this, you can see, this is the outer temple. The Gentiles could hang out here and then the Jews could go in and then that's the inner court, the most holy place. And that's where they would offer the sacrifices. That's where the Ark of the Covenant lied. Uh, and, and only one priest would go in one time a year to, to worship the Lord on behalf of the people. Amazing structure. Phenomenal. They're in awe. They're like, look at this is amazing. It is a monument of extraordinary uh, beauty that the world talks about. And the disciples, the disciples, they're with Jesus. They're, <laughs> here's the better thing, they're with God and they're like, hey, pretty impressive, right? <laughs> As if, as if God was going to be like, you know, I couldn't have done this. <laughs> this is really good. I didn't, I didn't think I was, I'm not capable of this, you know. Then they're telling Jesus, like, Jesus, this is pretty good, right? They're looking for his stamp of approval. God, this is cool, right? Look at this. You're into this, right? This is good. And Jesus' response is, no, I'm not that into it. Because God sees our hearts more than our heights. Right now, he's looking at something massively impressive, quote, unquote. And Jesus is like, "I I don't care. You know what happened right before this moment? is a widow walked up with the last pittance of money she had and put it in. And Jesus said, that, that woman right there, she gave more than everybody. Jesus already has told the disciples what impresses him. And right after that, they're like, but look at this, huh? La-di-da. <laughs> and, and Jesus is like, did you just hear me? She gave more than all of you. She gave more to me than all of this. There's, there was no struggle for King Herod to build that temple. There was no sacrifice. And in the end, once that temple was built, it made King Herod's name bigger, not God's. We are this way now. We are impressed by size and structure, influence, This is what impresses us now. Some people don't come to Thrive because they don't have a building. And I've heard people say, I'll come when you have a building. Why? Because that's what they're impressed by. Now you're a real church. (laughs) Like, man, you would have had a real issue with the church in Acts. (laughs) They really had had no real estate at all. We're the same way. How many of us have seen a church of 10,000, 20,000, and you're like, that's where we got to go. Look what they're doing. And then we're like, wait a minute. What do you mean he's sleeping with 12 other people? That can't be. Look how big it is. People who are successful don't do bad things. (laughs) People with money know all the stuff, right? Right? World leaders, listen to Bill Gates. Why? Because he's a billionaire. Give me another reason. Don't have one. (laughs) Well, if you make a lot of money, you must be good at everything, right? (laughs) No. Right? A lot of people like Donald Trump. He's a good businessman, right? Not a great husband. (laughs) Wouldn't go to him for marriage advice. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Because nobody's good at all the things except Jesus. And big doesn't necessarily mean godly. And success doesn't necessarily mean God's blessing. 
God is a heart God. He sees us. He sees the reality of who we really are and who we're not. What our worship really is and what it isn't. He sees it. I've watched 10,000 people worship at a worship concert. And the truth is, when you weigh the odds, 10,000 people probably aren't pure of heart, lost in the majesty of who God is. Probably not happening. Doesn't mean God's not in that moment using it. And I've been in a room with three people, and we were blown away by God's presence. And in awe, and, 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 and prostrate like before him, like, man, you're here. You're here in this moment. You saw our, my best times of worship today are just with my family in our living room. Just us. Me and a guitar, or maybe Nathan's playing, Colin or Drew's playing along. That's it. Why? Because God sees us. God shows up to a heart that shows up. We're now living in a day and a time where people have a lot of posturing, but they don't have a posture of heart. Right? I'll give you an example. Okay? Most of Hollywood screams about climate change and being green and things like that. And that's fine. We should steward our earth. I'm not a big fan of burning down national forests. Not a fan, okay? I'm all for stewarding our, stewarding our earth, but within a biblical mindset, you know, because um, uh, I believe God is in control of the beginning and the end, not us. But we steward our earth, okay? And, and we'll reap consequences if we don't, for sure. But all those celebrities who say that, I, I saw actually a map, I don't have it here, but I saw a map, the same celebrities who said that for the Oscars, Several thousand flights, personal, private jet flights, in and out of Hollywood for the Oscars. If you don't know, that's not very (laughs) eco-friendly, right? Hypocritical. See, they have a posture, but not a posture of heart. They don't believe what they say. And they can think they do, but they don't. For example, if you're like, I love Jesus, he's my whole life, I'll give him everything. And then you go home and you, 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 you cheat on your taxes and you cheat on your spouse and, and, and you cuss up a storm and you look nothing like Jesus, you don't love him. Because Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. Jesus looked at this and, and this is the king who killed a generation of children. Zero to three years old, zero to two years old, young males. King Herod said, this guy's going to try and take my kingdom, find every one of them and kill them. Jesus wasn't impressed with the temple because this man didn't care about the Lord. This man was a genocidal, insane king. Not a good man and not from a good line. He didn't care about the Lord. But he could do posture, couldn't he? We do that now with our leaders. They stand next to an evangelical leader. And we're like, ooh, look, they're Christian. Maybe they just built a really good temple. Well, I know. I mean, I I listened to this podcast, and they said the sinner's prayer. I heard it. (laughs) Like, look, I'm not saying judge their eternity. But what I am saying is don't put your hope in them. Because God's measuring their heart too. And he's measuring ours. And what if it's not good? This guy slaughtered a generation, but he built a big temple. And what's amazing is 30 years later, the disciples, who know this, are like, hey, this is pretty good. Yeah, sure, he committed genocide, but... Look at this building. (laughs) It's pretty good, right? We do that now. We do that all the time. Sure, they cheated on this. They did all that, but look at this. Well, you gotta take the good and leave the bad. I'm not gonna judge their life, and I'm, I'm grateful for when 
leaders lead towards a more biblical freedom model? Yes, I'd like that. But I don't trust them. I don't put my hope in them. And I don't think most of them are that godly. I think God is. But moving beyond that, I want to be like him. We are now living in a day where we are leaving orthodoxy. We are leaving biblical Christianity. We're leaving a biblical worldview. We had it as a culture for a long time. It's the reason why men and women were a standard and now it's not. Because even if we didn't realize it, we believed in what God made and now we don't. Now we think God makes mistakes if there's any God at all. This is what happens and what happens now, it all begins to break down. Right? This person owes me all the money. This person should pay for my schooling. This person should, should, should make right what their ancestors did 200 years ago. And this person, why? Because the biblical worldview we had is gone, and so it all begins to break down. Even those who weren't followers of Jesus kind of believed it. The church had enough of a voice that it influenced the world and the culture and the country enough to say, even if I don't agree with it, I believe it. Even if I don't fully believe in the God who made it, I think that's probably practical. Nietzsche himself, a prophet of atheism, so to speak, said, God is dead, but we need him. He didn't believe in God, and yet, but we have great need of him. Because without him, Nietzsche himself knew, without God, this whole thing will fall apart. And that's where we are. We're in a moment that says, look at this. And God's saying, look at your heart. And this thing's all falling apart. Jesus prophesies it. That's what's going to happen to this temple. And that is what happened. Trouble came. Keep going in verse number 8. He replied, don't let anyone mislead you. Many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and saying the time has come, but don't believe them. And when you hear of wars and insurrections, don't panic. Yes, these things must take place first, but the end won't follow immediately. Then he added, nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes there will be famines and plagues in many lands. There will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, there will be a time of great persecution. You'll be dragged into synagogues and prisons. You'll stand trial before kings and governors because you're my followers. Jesus is telling them, when I'm gone, the beginning of the end has started. Nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, earthquakes, famines, plagues, terrifying great signs. <laughs> Doesn't sound that far off, does it? <laughs> kind of sounds like right now. <laughs> does he, wow, gee, did Jesus know that the last two years would happen? I think he did. <laughs> did Jesus know this moment was coming? I think he did. He knew what was coming. The end is upon us. And do I think God is coming back this year? I don't know. But how would we live if we did? How many people, once COVID kind of lifted, were like, great, back to comfort? It was a moment where some people were like, you know, I'm going to dig in. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm, I'm, I, I, God, I want to know you. I'm, I'm not okay with what's happening. I'm not okay with, with some of the things that are being said. And, and I think we're being lied to on these things. And I think the truth is this. And, and, then, and then it ends. And then it's like, okay, back to normal. But we're not back to normal. The world is shifting. There's whole groups in the world dedicated to a globalism uh, that, that, is, that is frightening. Klaus Schwab, look it up, said, you will own nothing and you will be happy about it. Now look, as Christians, we're not afraid of it. We're not afraid of a war against Ukraine. We're not afraid of World War III because Jesus said, don't panic. This has got to happen. 
Is Jesus coming back in 100 years? I don't know the day or the time. Nobody does. And I'm not writing that book. I just want my heart to be ready for him all the time. And I'll I'll be honest with you, it's not. I'm not where I'd like to be spiritually. But I want to get there. I want to move in that direction where I'm hearing his voice on a regular basis and I'm always in that place where if the Holy Spirit nudges me, hey, Brian, come talk to me. I'm like, you got it, Lord, I'm right there. I'm listening. How many of us can say that about our own walks right now? We're all freaking out over everything we're seeing, but we're not listening to the words of Jesus saying, hey, all this is going to happen. I'm letting you know this is going to happen. And when, they, when it does, look at me. We're not doing it. How many of us are saying, Jesus, I'm looking at you? Some people were deceived this past year that, that the truth is, just a quick side note. Some people are like, well, we're not under persecution, Brian. That's silly. That's not happening to us. What I would tell almost all of those people who would say that's never happened to American Christians, we're not facing that. I would say, you know, it's foolishness to think persecution is only getting beaten or imprisoned for direct pronunciations of the gospel. You think the devil's not smart enough to figure out other ways to bring down Christians than just direct to the gospel? You don't think it was persecution or an affront to the gospel and the church to say churches can't gather during a virus, but bars and strip clubs can? That is an affront to the gospel. And if the church had kept its place in society as the conscience and moral compass of our society, nobody would have dared said that to us. But it's not their fault, it's ours, because we backed off and stopped listening and said, we're comfortable and it's all good. Jesus, isn't this temple pretty nice? uh, I'm not impressed by that. Do I have you? Years ago, I had a student come into the internship program I was running, and, and he came with his dad, and his dad said, well, what's the point? What's the point of your school, you know, of this, of this, of this internship? Why would I send my student to you? And it was a fair question. It, it wasn't being confrontational. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me in that moment, I, and, 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 I, and he's asking for the son. I said, well, the point is you. You're the point. So that you know and walk with Jesus all the days of your life. And you take a season and say, God, here I am. Do with me what you will. Speak to me. Change me. Let me know you. Let me know your voice. Let me understand what your word means and how to apply it to my life. This is why I'm here. And, and, and we're now living in a time that, like, how many of us even do that? How many of us can say, God speaks to me every day? Some of you I know can. I know some of you can say, Absolutely. But some of you would probably be like, I don't, I don't, I don't get that. It's not because God isn't, doesn't, isn't speaking to you. It's because we're not listening. It's because we're comfortable. It's because as soon as the persecution lays off and then comes around another way, and, and that's a good trick of the enemy. If somebody pushes me from here, I think, well, that's not the offense of the enemy. Have you ever watched a football game? When they're blocking, do they only do it from the front? That's what you're only supposed to do, right? Has anybody seen in a football game where somebody pushes somebody from behind? I know, they would never do that. That's illegal, right? That's how the enemy plays. He plays illegally. Now look, if somebody came in here and said, you said the name of Jesus Christ and locked me up, that is obviously persecution solely for the gospel's sake. But if it says, hey, there's a virus and you can't say, uh, you can talk about Jesus but only online and not in person, that isn't simply, oh, it's a circumstance. Wake up! It is not a circumstance. It's a tool of the enemy to shut down the gospel and the church on the face of the earth. Yes, COVID's real. Yes, that's a reality. Yes, that's true that people can be in danger. All of that's true. While, and at the same time, something else can be true, that the gospel still needs to be preached, needs to be preached now more than ever, and none of us should have backed down on it, including us. 
And we were in schools, didn't have much of a choice. <laughs> they weren't letting us back in. We did the best we could. We all did. There's no condemnation. It's a moment of inspiration to say, God, I, I want to belong to you solely, unashamedly. And I don't care what they say. I'm a Jesus freak. I'm, yeah, I admit it. It's a good song 20 some, 25, 30 years ago. Bring it back. Except only bring back the guys who actually believe it. Okay, moving on. In the last two years, let's just run down a list. Christians were imprisoned. There's a pastor just released from prison in Canada this week who just basically kept meeting. Didn't have a large church, under 200 people. They dragged him out. They pulled him over on the side of the road. They arrested him and threw him in prison for just meeting. That's it. Small, tiny church. Pastor Art. Christians were imprisoned verbally assaulted for meeting. We, 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 we experienced some of that. You may not know because we deleted those comments. Mostly because I don't care what you have to say. If you hate the gospel, great, don't come. Russia invaded Ukraine. Women's sports have been invaded by men. Riots and protests across the globe, at our capital, food shortages, Giant ministries collapsing, forced medication and injection against people's will, bank accounts frozen, pandemic, inflation, record job loss, an exploding amount of alcoholism and suicides. And people are saying it's all just coincidence, it's just a bad time, it's just the way of the world. And I sit and I, I hear that and I would, what I would say is that's a, that's a Christian humanist response. But it's not a biblical one. I'd rather be wrong about nearing the end than be right and comfortable. Because at least the one posture is my heart right. I'm not talking about a position of fear. I'm talking about a position of readiness and an awareness that we are getting closer. Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote a third of the New Testament, kind of a big deal, okay, believed Jesus was coming back in his lifetime. And I've literally read Bible commentaries who almost mock him saying, you know, he was silly for thinking that. And what I would say is, was he? Or was he closer to Jesus and understood the readiness that there is any moment God can do what he wants and that we see these things happening around us? Can you really look at the world right now and be like, it's pretty normal? Does anybody feel that way? Because I would love to talk with you. I, I do know some people. They're not here anymore. You know, or they won't come here. They think it's all pretty normal. It's just a bad time. And I would say, I, I, don't, I don't know how close you are with Jesus right now. Because I don't know if Jesus is coming back next year. And I wouldn't have sat in 1942 and thought, it's all pretty normal. <laughs> World nations war, big deal. Nobody sitting in a concentration camp thought, this is pretty normal. Many probably thought it was the end of the world. Now it wasn't, but it could have been. Maybe. Maybe God said not yet. I don't know. And we're in a moment like that. And don't believe me, why don't you take a look at this and take it from somebody who, who probably has a, a little more approval uh, in the church globally than I do. Well, we're all aware of what's happening over in the Ukraine right now. Uh, they're under attack from Russia, and people have asked the question, is there any significance to all of this prophetically? Let me pull the camera back and say this. I believe we're living in the last days. I believe Christ could come back at any moment. There are signs of the times 
the Bible tells us to be looking for. And in fact, Jesus likened it to labor pains in a woman who's ready to give birth. The idea being the closer they get together, the closer you are to the birth. And as we see more signs, more things happening, they're reminding us Christ is coming back again. Let's go to Matthew 24. What did Jesus say? In the last days there'll be wars and rumors of wars. So this is war on a scale we have not seen in a long time. Uh, but let me look at another thing in Matthew 24. It talks about plagues being about us, around us in the last days. If the coronavirus is not a plague, I don't know what it is, a global plague. Also, I would add that the Bible warns of a world leader that will come and, and dominate and deceive people, ultimately, but ultimately reveal his true colors, and he's called the Antichrist. I believe a lot of this government overreach, imposing themselves on their people, uh, is a sign of what is going to come later when Antichrist emerges on the scene. But let's come to the situation in the Ukraine. So many Bible scholars believe in Ezekiel 38, as it speaks of Magog attacking Israel, that that is modern day Russia. I could go and talk about that for, you know, 30 minutes, why they believe that's true. I happen to agree with them. But it says in Ezekiel that the Jewish people will be scattered and regathered in our land again. We know uh, during World War II, after the Holocaust, Jewish people from around the planet began to return to their land. And Israel officially became a nation on May 14, 1948. So that part of the prophecy has been fulfilled. But then scripture says a nation from the extreme north of Israel will march on her called Gog and Magog. If you look on any map, you'll see that is the geographical area of Russia. Ukraine used to be a part of the Russian Empire. They broke off in 1991. Are they going to be part of Russia again? Could be. But the one thing that I think of is when I see the aggression of Russia, or Magog, if you will, it's a reminder that that's what we're going to see when Magog attacks Israel. So Jesus said, when you see these things begin to happen, freak out because you're dead. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. He said, when you see these things begin to happen, look up for your redemption is drawing near. Here's the bottom line and takeaway truth. Bible prophecies are being fulfilled in our lifetime. It seems like we're seeing more things happen in real time closer together as the scripture said they would be. So what should we do? We should look up. And we should remember that God is in control. And we've read the last page of the Bible the last page of Revelation, and we win in the end. Let me add this. Let's all be praying for the people of the Ukraine. They're going through a time of great suffering right now. Pray for them. Pray that God gives to our leaders wisdom uh, as they're making very important decisions in the days ahead. Let's go to verse 13. And this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. Don't worry in advance about how to answer charges against you. I'll give you the right words and such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to reply or refute you. Even those closest to you, your parents, your brothers, your relatives and friends will betray you. They will even kill some of you. And everyone will hate you because you're my followers. But not a hair of your head will perish. By standing firm, you will win your souls. This opposition in this moment is your opportunity to share your testimony. There are some freaking out and saying, how dare you still gather? Or I don't believe this anymore. Or this doesn't make sense. Or you're phobic about in, insert your whatever here. But for those who aren't slinging, they're watching and they're listening. And those are the ones who say, here's why I still hope, here's why I still believe, and here's why this is true when the world is falling apart. And those ones will respond and say, yeah, I believe. I believe. There were some people, you know, a while ago, uh, I had this conversation with them a while ago, and, and we haven't seen them since. And, and they're welcome to come back. There are some churches 
they want one, they want to reach one side of the aisle because they feel like that's the favorite side, and they all, and we're all supposed to hate the more uh, conservative side of the aisle, uh, wearing MAGA hats or whatever. And there was there was a person who came, and they they came and they they had the Make America Great Again shirt or hat or something on one Sunday. This is a while, probably a year plus ago. And then somebody's like, "Well, are we that church? Are we?" And then I was like, "Man, I hope so." I hope we're the church that the lost, no matter what side they are, they, they can walk in and hear the name of Jesus and say, come on home. And they don't feel hated and outcast. I don't care if you're the far left, progressive, seven different genders in one person, if you're the most conservative, racist, angry person, Jesus loves you. He wants to know you. He wants to change you. And if you're here hearing that message, it's because of that. It's not because of me. It's not because of Thrive. It's because Jesus is calling you home. He's saying, walk with me. Know me. Let me be your God. And this is the opportunity to share that with whoever will listen. There is not, almost not a person who doesn't think the world is falling apart. Right? Isn't there a poll like every day? This percentage has dropped of this person's approval of that, and this percentage has gone up. People think people in Ukraine shouldn't wear the color purple because, like, uh, who cares? Right? It's, it's everywhere. All of those people need the message of Jesus and what Jesus has done in your life. How many of us have seen news story change in like six months to a year? Right? It's a conspiracy theory. Actually, it's a spoiler alert. Right? And it just keeps happening over and over and over. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. But here's the thing. This word never changes and has always been true. It's still true. What Jesus did in your life is true. What's out there, facts, quote unquote, keeps changing, keeps shifting. Science says, how many people have lost just a hair of faith in science lately? Anybody? I want to meet science and I want to have a talk. Because I feel like they read both sides of their mouth. But Jesus' word has never changed and it's still true. Science, for a while, answered some questions about the universe. And now it's creating more. Jesus holds the universe and knows all the answers. And your story matters to those people who are looking. What Jesus has done in your life matters. It's all breaking down. But God's word isn't. God isn't. His kingdom isn't. His kingdom's advancing. When it's all falling apart, he's not. That's great news. And he's telling us this. Take hope. Take heart. I got this. Stay with me. Stand firm. Hold on. The ride is going to get bumpy. It's going to get ugly. It's going to be hard. But I'm God. Hold the line to the end. Stand fast in me. Share your story. Share your testimony. They need it. And he even says, like, people are going to hate you. Family members are going to hate you. Don't raise your hand, but some of you, when you came to Christ, maybe in this church or before, like, you're in a cult. Some of you experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They didn't say you were in a cult before, but now you are. Now you're in a cult. Why? I've been in the church for five years, but now I experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, now it's a cult. Why wasn't it before? Because I agreed with it before, but now I don't, right? Guess what? Jesus just told you. If somebody's telling you that, guess what? You're headed in the right direction. What's amazing is, what's a cult? You don't even believe in God. Why are you telling me what a cult is? If anybody's in a cult, it's you. You follow the world blindly. You follow the news blindly. You just listen to what they tell you, and it must be true. Till it isn't. I believe in something that stood for thousands of years, that has shifted cultures, that started orphanages and hospitals in every nation on the earth for the first time, that saves the unborn, that gives value to women 
and men that led people to lead people out of slavery. That's what I believe in. What do you believe in? They're going to hate us. But the truth is, they're not hating you. They're hating Jesus. We don't hate them back. We love them back. We show them the love of God. We forgive them. We keep pointing to them. But if you've been accused of being too in on Jesus and too, too, too lost in there, too, guess what? You're on the right road. You're doing the right thing, not the wrong thing. Stop balancing yourself when it comes to your love for God. You don't have to balance your love for the Lord. There's no such thing. Right? I remember when I was engaged, you know, people want you to be all balanced. There is no such thing. (laughs) You got to stay out of sin. That's a good thing. But beyond that, like... Every penny I had was going to go to her. Every, every opening moment I had, I wanted to be with her. And I still feel that way, but, you know, now we have five kids, and, you know, I found out love don't pay the bills. But, <laughs> but at that time, you don't care. I'll be homeless with you. And then a few weeks in the homeless, she's looking at you like, I, I don't want this with you. But, <laughs> but it, it's normal, right? Like, that's, that's love. How much more so our love for Jesus Stop holding back on what you want to give him. Why? So many people are like, well, okay, fine, I'll go to church, but that's it. We're not the weird ones, you are. Because <laughs> you meet the God of the universe who holds time in his hands and space and is before all things and knows all things and redeems all things, is omniscient, omnipotent. <laughs> and you're telling him, hey, let's just take it easy. <laughs> We're not the weird ones. <laughs> and the end is coming. But it's okay, you don't have to be discouraged. Jesus in verse 20 says, you'll see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, and you'll know that the time of his destruction has arrived. And those in Judea must flee to the hills, those in Jerusalem must get out, and those in the country should not return to the city. For these will be days of God's vengeance, and the prophetic words of the scriptures will be fulfilled. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days. There will be disaster in the land and great anger against this people. They'll be killed by the sword or sent away as captives to all the nations of the world. And Jerusalem will be trampled down by the Gentiles in the period of the Gentile until it comes, the period of the Gentiles comes to an end. There will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And here on earth, nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. People will be terrified of what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Jesus is prophesying multiple things at once. Why? Because he's God and he can. But one of the things he's telling them, like Rome, Rome, within 70 years, would tear down that temple, destroy it. But he goes on, nations rising. People, how many people right now, the nations are rising about the rise, uh, nations are freaking out about the rising sea level. Jesus talked about that. It's not that it isn't happening. It's that people are freaking out in a way they don't need to freak out if they know Jesus. People are being killed by the swords. Terrified of what they see coming upon the earth. Jesus is telling you and us and those who would hear, spoiler alert, there's an end coming. The end is not coming. Uh, I was watching a show recently and they're like, yeah, well, here's what will happen is the earth will destroy all the people and, and, and it'll start over. No, it won't. That's garbage. That's humanism. That's not, earth is not God. And that's good news. God is God. And he's over the story of humanity. Because the story of humanity isn't humanity's story, it's God's. And he's in charge of the end of the timeline. 
We're now in a moment where we're seeing a lot of things that are biblical prophecy being fulfilled all over the place. Does it mean he's coming back tomorrow? No, but it doesn't. He ain't coming back yesterday. We really are closer to the end than we've ever been. We were just talking this morning, and uh, I don't want to put him in a weird spot, but one of, our, one of the people in our church, one of our leaders uh, where he works, they're installing metaverse computers, or metaverse power grid for, for, for the metaverse. And it's the idea of a virtual life. You can create your avatar, you can go in and then just be that person in the metaverse. But within that, everybody can see what you're doing, where you're looking, how you're behaving, how you're, it's all being recorded. You realize most of what you say, if I say, hey, Surrey, hey, Surrey, and now it doesn't want to listen, right? Oh, no, I'm not listening. Hey, Surrey, right? Now it's listening. Some of you at home, hey, Amazon, hey, Alexa. They're keeping that on record. Why? What would be the point of that? All I know is it probably ain't good. Now is all technology bad? No, of course not. I have a smartphone. I have an iPad. I have an Apple Watch. All technology is not evil. We're not, we're not weird. We're not crazy. Doesn't mean all metaverse is bad. Can you enjoy something? Yeah. But things are moving exponentially towards something. And the evil's getting bigger and rising. It's happening right now. And what do we do with that? Verse 27, everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. And when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up. Your salvation is near. And he gave them this illustration. Notice the fig tree or any other. When the leaves come out, you know without being told the summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things taking place, you can know the kingdom of God is near. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will disappear. My words will never disappear. Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and the worries of life. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap, for that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Keep alert at all times. I pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. Every day Jesus went to the temple to teach, and each evening he returned and spent the night on the Mount of Olives. The crowds gathered at the temple early morning to hear him. Greg Laurie said it. Jesus said it. I repeat it again. What did he say? When these things happen, look up. Your salvation is near. then after he says that, after he gives us the hope, this is one of the rare times in the Bible this happens. Usually a warning comes and then hope comes after. This time Jesus inverts it and he says, here's hope, but here's a warning to follow. Because we can have hope, but we can easily be dulled. And he said, don't become dulled to this. Don't become numb. Don't become insensitive. Don't become callous. Because the more callous you become, the less aware you are. We can become so numb to so much. This world is sin-soaked, saturated in brokenness everywhere. And we become numb to it because we see it all the time. Jesus has warned us, don't go there. Don't fall into drunkenness. Don't fall into intoxication. Some of us, because society's accepted it, we're fine. We're fine. Like, smoke weed. It's fine because now it's legal. It's intoxication. God isn't fine with intoxication because anything that intoxicates us robs us from our alertness to the Holy Spirit in our lives. But we become numb because 
It's hit us over and over. Be okay with it. Be okay with it. Be okay with it. Be okay with it. Till eventually we are. I remember 20 years ago being on a mission trip in Hollywood. And friends of ours who ran a ministry out there. It was back in the time Will and Grace was on TV. And, uh, and I remember him saying, and they're in L.A. in the heart of Hollywood. Downtown Hollywood. And if you know anything about it, it's called Holly Weird. It's been weird forever. All the stuff you see now that you're like, this is disturbing, they've had for 40, 50 years. They've just brought it to us in, in increments. And I remember him saying about Will and Grace, they're like, you know why Will and Grace is on TV? Why? Because if they can make you laugh about it, they can make you accept it. hit on every side till we cave remember the enemy doesn't play fair in football he doesn't just hit us here he hits us everywhere he can get away with till we accept and we cave and the Jesus is saying wake up become alert guard your heart stand fast how many of you in this place today, we're asking, we're, we're asking everybody, invite on Easter. Let's be over 200 on Easter. Not so we can say we're over 200 on Easter. We're saying it because people are going to hell. And so many are just totally unaware that this world has fallen and broken. And we feel a desperation to get somebody to hear the gospel on a day that they're at least willing to. That's why... That's why we take Easter, the two days people are most willing to come to church, Christmas time and Easter. And at that time, we hit them with the message of Jesus Christ and hoping and praying that something breaks down in their hearts and they see this world is fallen, this world is broken, it is going to hell, literally, and I don't want to be on it. I want to be on the ship with Jesus. I want to see him in his glory in the new heavens and the new earth. I want to know him and make him known. Or you can be asleep. You'd be like, it's all no big deal. It's all fine. It's just time. It'll just pass. Man, that's the posture you can take. And you know what? I, I hope you're right and I'm wrong. I hope God gives us a lot more time and the, the earth has another age of God pouring out his spirit and people get more time. But I don't know about you, I've seen a lot of people die in the last two years that I didn't see coming. People I knew and loved that I didn't think they'd die and others lived that I'm like, how did they live? How did they make it through this? Why is that person dead and that person's alive? because none of us knows the end of the story but Jesus and so we better be ready that's why when two weeks we're saying invite everybody you can because what if the plane is going down and we can say take this parachute that's why it's not so we can have a big service it's really not how many of us are in line at Jewel and see 20, 30 people waiting in line and we feel the ache and the burden in our hearts? How many of these people are going to be separated from God for eternity? Church, I love you and I think you're the best church ever, but I can't win Lockport. I'm one dude. can't either. You're one person, but we can make a pretty big dent. Some of you are awesome soul winners. Well, Donna, she's a soul winner. People like Donna. They don't like me. It's fine. Cece's a soul winner. People like her. They'll listen to her. Big, mean people. Let her pray for them. I'm doing that. They want to hit me. It's fine. That's right. That's why I do this job. You know what? If I go to your family, your cousin, your brother who never comes, your sister, your mom, and I say, would you come? Guess what? They're not. They're going to be like, please leave or I'm calling the police. But they won't to you because they know you. 
they might even come. What if in the next two weeks we all took some days and fasted and prayed and said, God, help us win somebody. Help us let us see somebody's heart broken for the cause of Jesus Christ. Forget about Thrive Church growing. If we go back to the same size the next week, but all 50 people are going to Jesus on the other side of eternity, then we saw a win. It's not about growing the church. It's about growing the kingdom. We believe in Jesus. We also believe that hell exists and it's hot and it's not good and it's for a real long time. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. Oh